Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of his kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Tuesday, April 13th. It is prophesied in the book of Amos that in the last days there would be a famine in the land, not a famine for food but a famine for the word of God, as it is written in Amos 8, 11, and 12. Behold, the days come, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. Even in the days of Joseph there were seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. He had stored up grain for the seven years of famine. The Daily Audio Torah is your storehouse where you can get grain. It is 20 minutes every day of pure scripture flowing out, living manna to feed your spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Tazria, and it means, She Conceives. Leviticus 13.21-40 But if the Kohen finds that there is no white hair in it, and it is not lower than the rest of the skin, and it is faded, the Kohen shall isolate him for seven days. If it should spread in the skin, the Kohen shall pronounce him unclean. It is an affection. But if the discoloration remains stationary, not having spread, it is the scar of the inflammation. The Kohen shall pronounce him clean. When the skin of one's body sustains a burn by fire, and the patch from the burn is a discoloration, either white streaked with red or white, the Kohen shall examine it. If some hair has turned white in the discoloration, which itself appears to go deeper than the skin, it is leprosy that has broken out in the burn. The Kohen shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous infection. But if the Kohen finds that there is no white hair in the discoloration, and that it is not lower than the rest of the skin, and it is faded, the Kohen shall isolate him for seven days. On the seventh day the Kohen shall examine him. If it has spread in the skin, the Kohen shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous affection. 
but if the discoloration has remained stationary, not having spread on the skin, and it is faded, it is the swelling from the burn. The Kohen shall pronounce him clean, for it is the scar of the burn. If a man or a woman has an infection on the head or in the beard, the Kohen shall examine the infection. If it appears to go deeper than the skin and there is thin yellow hair in it, the Kohen shall pronounce him unclean. It is a skull, a scaly eruption in the hair or beard. But if the Kohen finds that the skull affection does not appear to go deeper than the skin, yet there is no black hair in it, the Kohen shall isolate the person with the skull affection for seven days. On the seventh day, the Kohen shall examine the affection. If the skull has not spread and no yellow hair has appeared in it, and the skull does not appear to go deeper than the skin, the person with the skull shall shave himself. But without shaving the skull, the Kohen shall isolate him for another seven days. On the seventh day, the Kohen shall examine the skull. If the skull has not spread on the skin and does not appear to go deeper than the skin, the Kohen shall pronounce him clean. He shall wash his clothes, and he shall be clean. If, however, the skull should spread on the skin after he has been pronounced clean, the Kohen shall examine him. If the skull has spread on the skin, the Kohen need not look for yellow hair. He is unclean. But if the skull has remained unchanged in color, and black hair has grown in it, the skull is healed. He is clean. The Kohen shall pronounce him clean. If a man or a woman has the skin of the body streaked with white discolorations, and the Kohen sees the discolorations on the skin of the body are of a dull white, it is a tetter broken out on the skin. He is clean. If a man loses the hair of his head and becomes bald, he is clean. Joshua seven sixteen to nine two. Early next morning, Joshua had Israel come forward by tribes, and the tribe of Judah was indicated. Then he had the clans of Judah come forward, and the clan of Zerach was indicated. Then he had the clan of Zerach come forward by ancestral houses, and Zabdi was indicated. Finally, he had his ancestral house come forward man by man. And Achan, son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerach, of the tribe of Judah, was indicated. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, pay honor to Hashem, the God of Israel, and make confession to him. Tell me what you have done. Do not hold anything back from me. Achan answered Joshua, It is true, I have sinned against Hashem, the God of Israel. This is what I did. I saw among the spoil a fine shinar mantle, two hundred shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold weighing fifty shekels. And I coveted them and took them. They are buried in the ground in my tent with the silver under it. Joshua sent messengers who hurried to the tent. And there it was, buried in his tent with the silver underneath. They took them from the tent and brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites and displayed them before Hashem. Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, son of Zerach, and the silver, 
the mantle, and the wedge of gold, his sons and daughters, and his ox, his donkey, his flock, and his tent, and all his belongings, and brought them up to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, What calamity you have brought upon us! HaShem will bring calamity upon you this day. And all Israel pelted him with stones. They put them to the fire and stoned them. They raised a huge mound of stones over him, which is still there. Then the anger of HaShem subsided. That is why that place was named the Valley of Achor, as it is still the case. Hashem said to Joshua, Do not be frightened or dismayed. Take all the fighting troops with you. Go and march against Ai. See, I will deliver the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land, into your hands. You shall treat Ai and her king as you treated Jericho and her king. However, you may take the spoil and the cattle as booty for yourselves. Now set an ambush against the city behind it. So Joshua and all the fighting troops prepared for the march on Ai. Joshua chose 30,000 men, valiant warriors, and sent them ahead by night. He instructed them as follows, Mind, you are to lie in ambush behind the city. Don't stay too far from the city, and all of you be on the alert. I and all the troops with me will approach the city, and when they come out against us, as they did the first time, we will flee from them. They will come rushing after us until we have drawn them away from the city. They will think they are fleeing from us the same as last time, but while we are fleeing before them, you will dash out from your ambush and seize the city, and Hashem your God will deliver it into your hands. And when you take the city, set it on fire. Do as Hashem has commanded. Mind, I have given you your orders. Joshua then sent them off, and they proceeded to the ambush. They took up a position between Ai and Bet-El, west of Ai, while Joshua spent the night with the rest of the troops. Early in the morning Joshua mustered the troops. Then he and the elders of Israel marched upon Ai at the head of the troops. All the fighting force that was with him advanced near the city and encamped to the north of Ai, with a hollow between them and Ai. He selected about 5,000 men and stationed them as an ambush between Bet-El and Ai west of the city. Thus the main body of the army was disposed on the north of the city, but the far end of it was the west. This was after Joshua had spent the night in the valley. When the king of Ai saw them, he and all his people, the inhabitants of the city, rushed out in the early morning to the meeting place facing the Arabah, to engage the Israelites in battle, for he was unaware that a force was lying in ambush behind the city. Joshua and all Israel fled in the direction of the wilderness, as though routed by them. All the troops in the city gathered to pursue them. Pursuing Joshua, they were drawn out of the city. Not a man was left in Ai or in Bet-El who did not go out after Israel. They left the city open while they pursued Israel. Hashem then said to Joshua, Hold out the javelin in your hand toward Ai, for I will deliver it into your hands. So Joshua held out the javelin in his hand toward the city. As soon as he held out his hand, the ambush came rushing out of their station. They entered the city and captured it. They swiftly set fire 
through the city. The men of Ai looked back and saw the smoke of the city rising to the sky. They had no room for flight in any direction. The people who had been fleeing to the wilderness now became the pursuers. For when Joshua and all Israel saw that the ambush had captured the city, and that smoke was rising from the city, they turned around and attacked the men of Ai. Now the other Israelites were coming out of the city against them, so that they were between two bodies of Israelites, one on each side of them. They were slaughtered so that no one escaped or got away. The king of Ai was taken alive and brought to Joshua. When Joshua had killed all the inhabitants of Ai who had pursued them into the open wilderness, and all of them to the last man had fallen by the sword, all the Israelites turned back to Ai and put it to the sword. The total of those who fell that day, men and women, the entire population of Ai, came to twelve thousand. Joshua did not draw back the hand with which he held out his javelin until all the inhabitants of Ai had been exterminated. However, the Israelites took the cattle and the spoil of the city as their booty in accordance with the instructions that Hashem had given to Joshua. Then Joshua burned down Ai and turned it into a mound of ruins for all time, a desolation to this day. And the king of Ai was impaled on a stake until the evening. At sunset Joshua had the corpse taken down from the stake, and it was left lying at the entrance to the city gate. They raised a great heap of stones over it, which is there to this day. At that time Joshua built an altar to Hashem, the God of Israel, on Har Ival. As Moses, the servant of Hashem, had commanded the Israelites, as is written in the book of teaching of Moses, an altar of unhewn stone, upon which no iron had been wielded. They offered on it burnt offerings to Hashem and brought sacrifices of well-being. And there, on the stones, he inscribed a copy of the teaching that Moses had written for the Israelites. All Israel, stranger and citizen alike, with their elders, officials, and magistrates, stood on either side of the ark facing the Levitical Kohanim, who carried the ark, Brit Hashem. Half of them faced Mount Gerizim, and half of them faced Mount Ebal. And Moses, the servant of Hashem, had commanded them of old in order to bless the people of Israel. After that, he read all the words of the teaching the blessing and the curse, just as is written in the book of the teaching. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded that Joshua failed to read in the presence of the entire assembly of Israel, including the women and children and the strangers who accompanied them. When all the kings west of the Jordan in the hill country, in the Shephelah, and along the entire coast of the Mediterranean Sea up to the vicinity of Lebanon, the land of the Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites learned of this. They gathered with one accord to fight against Joshua and Israel. Luke 16, 1-18 
And he, Yeshua, said also to his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said to him, How is it that I hear this of you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you may be no longer steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord takes away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig. To beg, I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him, and said to the first, How much do you owe to my Lord? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then he said to another, How much do you owe? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, Take your bill and write fourscore. And the Lord commended the unjust steward, because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. And I say to you, Make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when you fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much, and he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore you have been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And the Pharisees also, who were covetous, heard all these things, and they derided him. And he said to them, You are they which justify yourselves before men. But God knows your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. The Torah and the prophets were until John. Since that time the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presses into it. And it is easier for heaven and earth to pass than for one tittle of the Torah to fail. Whosoever puts away his wife and marries another commits adultery, and whosoever marries her that is put away from her husband commits adultery. Psalm 82, 1-8 God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. How long will you judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said you are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But you shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all nations. Proverbs 13.2-3 A man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the transgressors shall eat violence. 
He that keeps his mouth keeps his life, but he that opens wide his lips shall have destruction. Today I want to speak to you from our Torah portion from Leviticus chapter 13, and this entire chapter is dealing with the instructions for the Kohanim, the priests, on how to deal with a skin uh, rash, whether or not it's leprosy or not. And if it is leprosy, then the people are to be isolated for a period of seven days and then be reinspected. And you might be scratching your head and wondering, what's this got to do with anything? Uh, we don't really see leprosy today, and what does all of this mean? So I want to unpack this for you a little bit, and there is a deeper meaning to this. Leprosy is connected with an unclean mouth with unclean words coming out of an unclean mouth. And it is written in Matthew that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. In fact, let's just read that. Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 34 through 37. Brood of vipers. These are the words of Christ, and he's speaking to the Pharisees. Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. That's something to really consider and think about and ponder. That we cannot be lazy and loose with our lips. We really need to ask the Lord to cleanse our heart so that when we speak words, our words edify, build up, affirm, encourage, and strengthen others. And that our words are not being used to tear down, criticize, judge, or harm others. Now let's go to another section in the Bible where we can see the connection between words, the mouth, and leprosy. I'm going to read to you from Numbers chapter 12. And what's been going on here in this chapter, we'll start in verse 1 to give you the whole context. Numbers chapter 12, verse 1. Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses. There's the words. They're coming against Moses. They're undermining him, sabotaging him, rebelling against him, and speaking against him. Why? Because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. So they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. So a humble man is not going to defend himself. He's not going to assert himself and lord it over others or lord it over 
Miriam, and Aaron. Verse 4, Suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, Come out, you three, to the tabernacle of meeting. So the three came out. Then the Lord came down in the pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both went forward. And then he said, Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly, and not in dark sayings, not in code. And he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So the anger of the Lord was aroused against them, and he departed. And when the cloud departed from above the tabernacle, suddenly Miriam became leprous, as white as snow. Then Aaron turned to Miriam, and there she was, a leper. So I'm not going to continue to read on in that chapter. Basically, Moses intercedes for her, and the Lord instructs that she be outside the camp, for a period of seven days, and after seven days she could return to the camp. Why? Because her words were infectious. Her unclean words that would plant doubt and rebellion against Moses were infectious. Think about the the ten spies who came back and they gave the negative report about the promised land and how their words spread like a virus like cancer throughout the camp. Our words spread. So we want to be sure that we're planting words like seeds that are good seed. So here in that passage, you can see the clear connection between words and leprosy. And so how do we deal with it? Well, we need to repent because the words are an overflow of the heart. And if there's evil in the heart, if there's unforgiveness or anger or jealousy or bitterness in our heart, it's going to come out in our words. And so we need to ask God to forgive us for those things in our heart and to cleanse us in our heart. The last passage I want to show you that kind of shows The connection of the words that we speak and how evil spirits can inhabit those words is in Revelation chapter 16. And we'll start with verse 13. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Verse 14, for they are the spirits of devils working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. So when we speak words, and it's the abundance or the overflow of the heart, if we have evil in our heart, if we have a demonic entity, then... um, The enemy can use our words to inhabit those words to loose and release evil spirits. For example, if you have a husband and a wife that are not getting along and they're really struggling in their marriage, if the husband is constantly threatening his wife, I'm going to divorce you, that word divorce 
has a demonic entity attached to it, a spirit of divorce. And if he says that enough times over a period of time, basically he's given a permission slip to the enemy to bring forth a divorce in the family. He spoke it. The spirit is now loosed and released into the atmosphere. And it goes into the heart of the other person. And ultimately, that could very well cause, bring forth a divorce. So even to say that word, and especially repeatedly, to threaten that to someone, is a very wicked and evil thing to do. And you have to repent, renounce, and reject that spirit. Okay, so I hope that that kind of unpacks Leviticus 13 for you in a much deeper way and that you realize the great weight that our words have and how important it is to measure our words carefully and to ask the Lord to put a bit and a bridle on our tongue so that anytime we're tempted to say anything that is hurtful or harmful or critical or judgmental or destructive, that the Holy Spirit will pull on the reins of our mouth and not allow those words to escape, because once they're out, they're out, and the damage is done. May our words be words to edify, to build up, to affirm, to encourage, and to nurture others and not tear them down. We'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.